All right. I think we're set. James chapter 4, verse 1 to 10. And it says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Spirit says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Lord, as we look to your word, we thank you that it speaks to us. It spoke to the church that James was writing to, scattered throughout the world, and it speaks to us today, on this day. And so we do this text today, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to spend a few minutes in this passage, and I'll, I'll admit, um, I would love to spend a lot more than, than we're going to, but um, lots of opportunities that you have to, uh, to also do some more personal study on this, but... I think this really connects with what we've witnessed in our baptisms uh, today. There are desires, and there is a decision before us, and then a declaration. So that's what we're going to be walking through today. Uh, desires, decision, and declaration. And to help uh, in a visual way, along with what we've seen in this beautiful, as I said, living sermon. Of I've got a magnet down here, and i got a fence and a window. And so are you ready? Uh, here we go. First part, we're going to talk about desires. The desires. Verse 1, this is what James says. This is the, the cause of all the conflict. The cause of these wars, these, these quarrels and fighting within you. It says it's your passions that are at war within you. It's one thing that we've, we've talked about in this series, whether it's been anger, whether it's been tongue. It's the things that are within us don't stay within us. Right? That which is internal doesn't stay internal. It, it comes out. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 7, a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. We've seen throughout James as he's talked about these, these desires, as he said in chapter 1, right from the beginning. He said, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is dragged away by his own evil desires. Right? Magnet. And you may not be able to see down here, but this is... Uh, 
This is a really, really strong, strong magnet. I think it can hold like 150 pounds. Probably not with this strength. But it's like that with our, with our desires that are within us. As we, we kind of allow things to sneak into our lives, as we open ourselves up in, in our lives to our, uh, let our evil desires take control, it's like it just draws things. It just sucks things in it's so powerful and this is what the apostle paul says this war that's raging within us and yet james also says it's it's these desires and it's like if you know anything about a magnet it's like you can actually ways away from it and it, it it's not affecting anything at all now i don't know if any of you have like a phone or anything you'd want erased with this but that's not that's not the point <laughs> but if you can you can kind of Tease it a little bit and say, oh, you know, I'm not that, I'm not that bad. It's not, not going that way too much for me. But then you get just a little too close and then it's got you. And this is the, this is this snare. And we talked about this in the first chapter where it's like this hunter, right, or this fisherman. There's a lure. And as soon as that fish or that animal comes near that trap, it's like, bang, it's got you and it has a hold on you. This is what James is saying, these, these evil desires, just like that magnet, it draws us in and we're, we're trapped. And then it comes from that, these other things that, that stem from it. There's inner desires, there's also the world, and it's, it's something that for you as a, a Bible learner, one thing you, you would want to study about the world in Scripture is that there's, there's different kind of terms that are used for world. So when, when John 3.16 talks about God so loving the world, he's talking about humanity, all, all people loved by the world. But when there's other places, the Apostle Paul talks about it, or James talks about where there's this, this world being a friend of the world, this is talking about this, this system that operates in opposed to God. And, and so that's, that's important for you to, to know. So there's our inner desires that seem to trap us in like a magnet, steer us in the wrong direction, trap us. And there's also the world around us, this world. We know this, right? We live in this world and we see that, that the system that our world operates on, it's, it's opposed to God and to the things of God and to his ways. And there's also the devil. And the devil as a, an enemy of God and an enemy of us seeks also to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That he is active like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. These are all part of our, our desires that we can be misled by. And James says there's impact. There's impact. What is that impact? There's conflict. There's conflict. You're, you're going to start, there's coveting, there's fighting, there's, there's quarreling, there's hatred, even murder pretty strong term you you kill and you covet like it's it's been so strong this magnet of our desires that what it leads to is really destructive but also impact is unanswered prayer he says you ask but you don't get what you want why because you're asking what you want in yourself you're asking for selfish things think about your prayer life are you asking with with wrong motives is it about you? You have needs. It's good to, to pray for things that you, you have needs with. But is it selfish intentions in your motives for prayer? There is impact. 
going back to the, the words of the Apostle Paul from Romans, he ends that text by saying this in verse 25, who will deliver me from this body of death? Where's, where's the hope? If these two battle, these things are raging within me and I just can't seem to gain any, any footing, any ground. He says, who's going to deliver me from this? He says, who will deliver me? It's actually a pretty gruesome expression that he uses there. Who, this is picture, if you imagine yourself, I wouldn't have brought this as an object lesson. This is like a corpse, a rotting, decaying corpse that's strapped to your back. <laughs> and that's how he describes what's happening as you've given in to your evil desires, that you're following the ways of the world, that you're allowing things of the devil to tempt you and to drag you down. And he says, who is going to save me from this rotting corpse on my back? says, thanks be to God. It's done through Jesus, through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the James goes on to say there's a decision. Now, he says in this next part, verse uh, 4 to 6, there's a strong tone. If you remember different times where James has spoken in and he's used a pretty strong tone, but then he kind of couches it in this words of, you know, Dear brothers and sisters, like he, he kind of uses the, the family thing. He doesn't do that here. Instead, he calls them, he says, you adulterous generation. It's pretty strong. See, throughout scripture, the people of Israel were called unfaithful, adulterous. There's this constant image of this bride and groom. Israel, or, or now the chapel, to God as husband. And James says, you can't have both. There's friendship with the world or with God. You can't have that both ways. And you see before you hear this, this fence. There's a parable. It's, it's not in the Bible, but it's just a story. And it's told of a man approached by Jesus on one side and Satan, the adversary, on the other. And in the middle of this conversation is a fence upon which the man was sitting and I wouldn't say that he would be sitting comfortably on this fence, but imagine in your mind if he was sitting on this fence and he was relatively comfortable, maybe even had a pillow. The devil entices and invites this man to follow him. Jesus also says, come, follow me. But the man is undecided. He doesn't want to commit to one way or the other. And so Jesus departs. But the devil extends his hand and says, all right then, let's go. The man says, what are you talking about? I didn't choose you or Jesus. I'm comfortable right here where I am. And the devil says, I own the fence. Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. In Revelation, we, we read of this, this, of the church that was neither hot nor cold, just lukewarm. And so what happens? Jesus says, I'll just I'll spit you out of my mouth. You're good for nothing. Does this parable reflect your current status? You know that sitting on the, the fence spiritually gives you more than splinters. It brings distance between you and God, enemy 
that you didn't expect. God. Because that's what James says, is that God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. He stands in opposition to you if you are proud and say, I'm just going to do things my way. We go back to last week when we talked about, you know, the, the one that had earthly wisdom, demonic wisdom. They were just saying, ah, it's my way. And in their arrogance and their pride, this brings God as, as someone who would stand in opposition to them. Because he's on the side of the humble, not the proud. The of baptism that we've just seen is that there's a decision that is made. And it's, it, as we've said, it's, it's public. Standing before us, giving testimony. And they're saying this, that I have decided that Jesus is Lord. And out of this we see this is an act of, of submission. It's an act of, of humility. A decision has to be made. Are you on the fence? Remember whose fence it is. James 4, 7 to 10 goes on, and there's a declaration. You know, in our, our baptism questions, uh, we, we asked three questions that you heard. The Son of God, as they're, they're turning in repentance and their desire, their commitment to follow. These are, are questions that we, we have chosen to ask those in the tank. But you know that in the early church and, and also today some denominations, maybe you're familiar with this if you've come out of a denomination or faith uh, system like this, but they, they ask a, a clear renunciation question as well. It's a big word, but it's saying, do you turn away from, do you renounce the work of Satan, his works and ways? And I don't know, maybe it's something that has has caused us some discomfort as we read this question. But question asks, do you renounce the works of Satan, his ways and his works? And maybe we, we don't feel uncomfortable saying Satan or something in church, but it's clear in scripture. We have an enemy. And there is a yes and there is a no. Right? And so there is a renunciation involved in being baptized. There's a clear statement of yes to Jesus and there's also a clear no to Satan. This is what James talks about, verse 7. Out of humility, submit to God and resist the devil. Saying yes and saying no, instance and faith. It's not one thing or another. We talk about repentance being we're turning from. But we don't just turn into nothing. You turn to something. Over here, I have this window. It's actually from my, my grandfather's uh, homestead in Saskatchewan that we have in our home, but it doesn't matter. It was just a window that I had. But this window for this next part as we come to conclusion here. Author Tim Chester says this, How do we repent? We repent through faith. Turning to God in faith and from sin in repentance is to try this now. And so I, I put before you this window. So we stand or we sit facing this window. Then he says, turn to face the opposite wall. You can just do this in your imagination. So you're looking at the window, but then you turn toward the wall. And so the act of turning from the window 
and turning toward the wall is one movement. You can't turn to God in faith without turning away from sin in repentance. Does that make sense? It doesn't seem like that's rocket science or anything, but in some way you say, yes, God, I believe in you. Yes, I turn to you. Yes, I submit to you. But we still hold on to sin. We're still drawn in this magnet. We still allow things out of our evil desires to drag us down. This movement, this one movement, faith, repentance, is made possible by grace, and grace alone. It's grace that saves you through your faith in Jesus. I submit to God, and I turn from sin. I say yes to God. I say no to the devil. I resist him. Now, this isn't just a one-time decision. This is a daily discipleship journey. It's done in humility. James goes in and he says, you know, take this pretty seriously. Mourn, grieve, wail. Consider what your sinful desires have wrought in your life and respond in gratitude for the saving work of Jesus on the cross. So this morning as we're going to come to the Lord's table, we want this to be a moment of, of declaration. A declaration of saying, today I've decided. Today, God, I've put my faith in, in you. I'm turning, drawn near to you. And so as our, our worship team comes, I'm going to pray and give thanks for the bread and the cup in a minute. But I invite you to spend a few moments in quiet reflection of what you've seen and heard here. Is there something that the Holy Spirit is, is just kind of pressing on you, pressing in your heart, that you need to respond to God? You need to do some, as we say, business with God. This table, we have four tables up here. This table is open to all who know and love Jesus on the cross for you. His body was given for us. He took our place. His blood was shed so that we could be forgiven and be restored to relationship with God the Father. So I'm going to pray and give thanks. And then as we sing this next song, we invite you as our our servers also will come forward and to serve you and to receive these gifts and then go back to your seat and hold them. And uh, then we will take them all together as a family. Let's pray.